into Sheringham, and Solskjaer has done it! Manchester United have reached the promised land! Hello everybody and welcome to and Solskjaer's Wanted Podcast. Tonight you're chatting with myself, Martin. Guys, what's up? So, I mean, this week we had football coming back and it was unbelievable. I know the crowd or lack thereof was a little bit, um, or it wasn't first prize, um, but, and we had the FIFA kind of noises in the background, but I mean, it was still great. And I still found myself getting completely tied um, into the game and definitely screamed at my uh, screen a couple times <laughs> while watching, specifically when uh, Bruno Fernandes went down uh, for that potential second penalty. So, I mean, again, it's we've got to kind of make do in this new world that we're living in. And to have football back was unbelievable. And the fact that there's games pretty much every single day is also a pretty amazing thing. And I find myself watching whatever I can at the moment. And it's just good to have the Premier League back. I mean, it's it's one step closer to, to kind of normality, I guess. Um, and it's just great to watch United. I mean... Three months is way, way, way too long for us not to watch um, our favorite team. But um, let's kind of get into the game itself. First thing I want to start off with is Jose Mourinho. He is incredibly negative. And I think when he, we had him as, as our coach, you kind of make excuses for it. I think we all did. No, he's not that bad and we're winning. And you kind of rationalize it to um, other fans and I suppose to yourself but wow, he was negative. And it wasn't even a classic counter-attacking type setup where he had a low block and he was looking to hit quickly on the break, um, which a lot of teams do against the big sides um, or, or teams that are quite strong. I mean, we've done it successfully against uh, Chelsea and uh, Man City this year. And I think that's not the worst thing in the world sometimes to to deploy that tactic. And I mean, we've done it very successfully this season. But he, he lined up like a League One side playing against a Premier League side in the FA Cup fifth round. It was it was so negative and he absolutely parked the bus. Um yeah, geez, I can't say that I I enjoy the guy and the way he plays football. Um specifically if you've just seen the the way that Solskjaer um just kind of the way that he talks about his players, the vibe that he gives off, it's just so much more positive. And yes, while he hasn't got it completely right with the brand of football, he is trying and he says the right things. And I'm hoping when he gets the last few pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, he can start to play that really, really attractive football that he has been promising us. But my word, Jose Mourinho, I think he's, in my opinion, I think he's lost it. I think he has, he needs a break from the game, I think. And I think football might have moved past him, which kind of makes you respect guys like Arsene Wenger and... So Alex Ferguson and maybe even someone like Ancelotti um, so much more because they've been around for so, so, so long and just kept like kept reinventing themselves and going with um, the ever-changing football landscape. But Mourinho, I think he's, he's a little bit lost um, in the world at the moment. And I must say, I, I, don't, I don't want to be in any Spurs supporters' uh, boots at the moment. And he came out today talking about all the strikers he's had and going through every single strike and how many goals they've scored because there was um, a lot of kickback on on Harry Kane and is he making the best use of Harry Kane? Because I think Harry Kane only had two touches in United's penalty box in the in the entire game uh, last week, um, which again spoke to his tactics. It was incredibly negative. And he came out and cited how many goals 
Drogba scored, Ronaldo, Melito back at his time at Inter Milan. He actually got the, the Drogba number of goals wrong, actually. He said Drogba averaged 46 goals a season um, under Mourinho. And while Drogba was amazing, he definitely did not average 46 goals a season under Mourinho. I can promise you that. I think ESPN even tweeted about it after the fact. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that we are rid of Jose and I feel sorry for Spurs because I think it's only going to end in tears with, with him in charge, unfortunately. Um, so a couple of other talking points from the game itself. Um, Paul Pogba. So I thought I rationalized in my head before the game that he wouldn't start because he was out for quite a long time. Um, he's had time to recover, but he hasn't kicked a football for kind of six, seven months. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to kind of ease him back in and take advantage of tiring Spurs players um, later on in the game. I just think maybe we could have brought him on a tiny bit earlier, but I think the, the decision to to not start him was the right one from Solskjaer. And I think we will see Paul Pogba start against Sheffield United later this week um, because he was an absolute game changer. I mean, he won the penalty. Um, the way that he played, that he interchanged with Bruno, I mean, it was only for... 20 30 minutes odd but it was looks like there's something incredible brewing there and i mean that pass to rashford um where rashford was almost in on goal and i think if we had a fit marcus rashford i think he would have got in on goal and might have even scored there um so i'm excited for paul pogba and i mean he's one that splits opinions like i've never seen in football i've never seen anyone split opinion like paul pogba has and even myself, I sometimes go back and forth whether or not he should stay or go or whatever it is. But I think if you get a committed, happy Paul Pogba, I think he is one of the best in the world. And I think that's where someone like Joe Mourinho really didn't get the best of him. I think he challenged him in the wrong way. And a lot of that, I think, is about Mourinho not understanding the modern footballer in an emotional sense. And I think that's where Ollie's maybe getting it right with Pogba. I think he is trying to get him as on sides as he can and I'm I mean if we could get Pogba and Bruno for the next few years working together why wouldn't I want that I think it could be incredible but I think ultimately we want Pogba to play the way he did be motivated and if he can get Mino Riola to keep his mouth shut in the in the background that would also be pretty unbelievable um so I mean he was a massive game changer and I'd love to see him come on from the start or start the game against um Sheffield United, because I think he can do some incredible, incredible things uh, given the opportunity alongside uh, Bruno. So that's one to watch out for. Um, Dan James. So, I mean, Dan James is not a person who you can um, accuse of not trying because he tries really hard. He works really hard. He's got a great attitude and he's very, very likable. He's a very, very endearing character. Is he good enough to start for United at this moment in time? I don't know. I think we're quite light up front at the moment. And I think that's the reason why he starts. And people still still need to remember he was brought in for a kind of a longer term view. I mean, the guy's 22 years old, bought from Swansea from the championship for 15 million pounds. He's not Jadon Sancho. So, I mean, I like him. He offers something different. He works really, really hard. Um, he's got a lot of pace on the break. He's a great squad player. But do I want to see him starting our big games? Uh, no, not really. Because I just don't think he's effective enough at this moment in time. But I do love him as part of the squad. And I think 
what we will see and what I'd love to see against Sheffield United is for Mark, Marcus Greenwood is for uh, Mark uh, is for uh, Greenwood to start the game uh, against Sheffield United. He just looks when he came off the bench. You could just see he lo- he looks like he's been working on his physique, and it's weird. I mean, if you remember when Ronaldo broke had his breakthrough season for United, he came back in pre-season, and he just looked bigger and stronger and like he'd filled out a little bit. And that's the same impression I've got from Greenwood um, in the three months that 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 we've had the break. And I think it's about time we see him actually push for a starting place uh, alongside Martial and Rashford. And I think we will see that against um, uh, Sheffield United because I don't think Dan James offers a massive goal threat. Again, he does offer some kind of a threat. He's got a good assist rate. He scored a couple goals. Uh, he puts a lot of pressure on the um, on the on the high press, but. I want someone with a little bit more uh, penetration, and I think Greenwood is that guy. And I'd love to see him actually start more games in the last push for this season. And let's see how we go. Because in the instance that we get uh, Jaden Sancho, I mean, obviously he's nailed on for that right wing position. But, uh, which I think is fair because, I mean, Greenwood is still a young guy. So I don't think we need to put the pressure of him to start every single game and deliver every single game. But I think if it's him versus Dan James. I want him to play. I think he makes an, an immediate difference. So I think that's one to, to, to see what happens. And I think it's quite interesting. Um, David De Gea. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, to be fair, yes, that Bergwijn shot came at a tremendous pace and he absolutely put his foot through it. But I mean, it was straight at him. De Gea is one of the best paid keepers in the world. He's one of the best played players in the, in the Premier League. He should be saving that. I mean, keepers hit their prime kind of 30 plus, And that's where he's at. He should be in his prime at the moment. And this is not one mistake in amongst a whole host of good performances. I think De Gea now for the better part of two seasons has really been struggling. And if we didn't have someone like Dean Henderson waiting in the background, I think you'd kind of be more patient with De Gea, but ultimately you've got Dean Henderson doing incredible things for Sheffield United. And the question's got to be asked at some point, whether it's the end of this season or the end of next season. But I think De Gea's days at United are absolutely numbered. But I think we've got to take into account two things. One, Henderson has only had one season in the Premiership where he's performed unbelievably well. Um, And I think he should spend one more season out on loan at Sheffield United, um, have another good season, hopefully, become one of the best Premier uh, players in the Premier League, go to the Euros with England, hopefully start in goal for them, and then come back to United. He's 24 years old. He's had two seasons in the Premiership. He's played for England, England, the Euros. Then I think he's ready. I think it'd be a little premature to bring him back now. And also, if we bring him back now, we can't have De Gea, who's on £375,000 a week, sitting on the bench. Um, And ultimately, to my second point, you can't shift De Gea um, elsewhere now during the post-COVID world because, I mean, he's too expensive. I don't think anyone wants to spend money on anything else than what they really, really need. And I don't think there's a top team in the world right now that is in desperate, desperate need of of a number one. Yes, there's uh, teams that can upgrade the number ones with De Gea, but I think next season is the time for it to happen when we've had a bit of normality 
and normalized earnings coming back into into football clubs. So my gut feeling is send him on, send De, uh, Henderson on loan for one more season. Let De Gea run his contract down by one more year. So he's got two more years on his contract. And then hopefully we can sell him for 30, 35 million pounds to someone else and bring and bring Henderson back with some experience. I just hope he finds some kind of form um, before the season ends because he really can't be performing the way that he has. He's cost us vital, vital points this season and we, we can't afford to drop anything. It's It's so, so tight for that fourth slash fifth position. Let's also talk a little bit about Maguire's centre-half partner. While I like Lindelof, and I think he's still he's still quite a young guy. I mean, he's 24 years old, Art, and he is a very, very good player, and he's, his stats are incredible. I just don't think he's very, very flashy, which also makes him seem a lot worse than he actually is, but he is a really good player, still quite young, uh, incredible stats, but I don't know if he's the partner to go alongside Harry Maguire is my gut feel because and this has been spoken about it at length uh, across a lot of other platforms but Maguire and Lindelof are quite similar players both really good with the ball at their feet both quite good in the air um, both really good readers of the game both good passes but both of them aren't particularly athletic and both of them aren't particularly quick um, I think Lindelof's deceptively quick but he's not he's not as fast as someone like Abai or a Rio Ferdinand was. And I think to get the best out of Maguire, you need someone who can cover the ground around him and mop up anything if um, if he misses the header or go or gets run past like he did uh, with Bergwijn um, on, on Wednesday last week. So I would love that guy to be someone like Axel Twanzebik, who I think is incredible. But can Axel Twanzebik stay injury-free? And the same can be asked of Bailly. Can he stay injury-free? If either of those two can, then we've got the partner. But at the moment, I don't know if they can. Um, and I think you desperately, desperately need someone quick and athletic next to next to Harry Maguire to, to compliment him. Uh, I think what we'll see is another season where Bailly and Twan Xavier are given a chance to be fit enough to be that player next to, next to Maguire. But if they can't prove their fitness and ultimately can't be relied upon then we actually need to look elsewhere and need to bring someone else in who can compliment uh, Harry Maguire. I think that'll be a big part in our, our eventual title push in two seasons' time. Uh, the last thing I want to chat about, though, with relation to the game is just that I'm still quite positive on Manchester United going forward or, or, or going into the future, should I say, not particularly going forward. I think there's a lot of positivity around the club, I mean, Solskjaer has cleared, cleared out an incredible amount of deadwood in the in the 18-odd months that he's been in the job. And I think he will continue to do that in the summer. And just the team spirit, the way, like, if I look at that squad, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very positive that we can get into the top four or five because hopefully you only need to be to get fifth to, to get into the Champions League this season. And if we look at our run-in, we've got a really, really good run-in. If we can get past Sheffield United on Wednesday... Um, effectively knocking them out of the top four, top five race. Um, the rest of our running is pretty decent. The only other game we've got is Leicester towards the end of the season, or the second last game, and I want that game because I want to beat Leicester and knock them out of the top four effectively and into fifth place, um, which I think will happen because I think they're starting to look like they're a little bit shaky. Um, 
But overall, I'm positive on this United squad. I'm positive on the players, the deadwood that's been cleared out, the youngsters that have been given a chance, uh, the signings that have been made, the signings that we might still make. Uh, there's talk of Sancho, obviously, is the big one. But you might bring in someone like Grealish. You might bring someone like Donny van de Beek from uh, Ajax. Both young, quality, technically brilliant players. I mean, all of a sudden, the squad looks vastly different from the one that Mourinho had two seasons ago. I mean, if Mourinho had his way, he'd have a 28-year-old Perisic, uh, a 29-year-old Willian supplying long balls in for, for uh, Lukaku. So, I mean, the transformation that Solskjaer has made on the squad is unbelievable. And I think while he may not be the guy to take United to the next level, or, or sorry, to win the league, I think he might be the guy before the guy comes in. Because he's definitely made a huge difference to that squad. And I think if he does what he needs to do in this transfer window, I think we are a season or two away then from actually challenging at the top. Because if you look at that City and and uh, Liverpool sides, a lot of their players are kind of uh, late 20s and are kind of, I think, towards the, the, the end of their cycles. And I think that what we will see is Chelsea and United pushing in about two seasons' time, two, three seasons' time, when Marcus Rashford is only 25 years old, Greenwood is 24 years old, Sancho is 24 years old, um, or 23 years old. I mean, it's incredible to think what um, potential we have in this squad and and just the positivity that Oli's bring, bring in. So, I mean, I'm very, very excited for the rest of the season. Hopefully, we can get top three, four, or five Um going forward or, or, or at the end of the season have a little bit of a run in the FA Cup because I mean we play Norwich in the quarterfinals on paper we should get through that if we can get a favourable uh, semi-final draw against maybe Arsenal in a final anything can happen and then we've still got the Europa League which also gives us a chance one at silverware but two also at potentially getting a Champions League spot through winning that so I mean this a lot of things to be positive about United. I mean, you look at what Arsenal, where Arsenal are at the moment, and that almost makes me think about where we were two years ago. They've got a big way to go and a lot of deadwood to clear out and youngsters to bring through and, and, and. But I think we're definitely on the up and up. Again, I don't think we're going to win the Premier League next year, but could we win it in two or three years' time? Absolutely. Um, if we continue to do what we are doing and what Oli has been doing, which is bring in young, hungry players, back them, bring a positivity to the place, try play attacking football and continue to ship the last little bit, little bit of the deadwood out. And I mean, I'm talking about getting rid of Rojo, Jones, Smalling, Lingard, Pereira and Sanchez. If he can do that in this offseason, bring in the likes of a Grealish, um, uh, maybe a Donny van der Beek, one of those two, and a Sancho, then that's great. And then we kick on next season. We bring on the following season. We bring in maybe a young dynamic centre back, the one that we spoke about to partner Maguire, maybe someone else in, in the centre of midfield. Um, although we forget about the fact that you've got uh, Garner coming through, you've got Levitt, and you've got uh, Hannibal coming through as well. I mean, those are three really good young players coming through in the middle of the park, and potentially Gomez signing another deal. There's a lot on the go at the moment. Uh, we will need to bring in someone to replace Igalo, though, in in January. But I still think he's a, a great guy who embodies the ethos, the ethos of the club. Um, so, I mean, I'm positive. I'm positive. And um, I ultimately think we will, we will win either at the FA Cup or the Europa League. And we will come top five and ultimately get a Champions League spot. 
which is what I want. And then we build on it from next season. The last little bit of the show, I want to kind of go through our competitors and just see how we're lining up in the top, like I said, four to five race, because ultimately that's where Premiership, uh, where uh, Champions League football is won. So Spurs. I think had Spurs won that game against us, I think they would have been they would have had a fighting chance. But luckily we've got the point and they are still four points behind us. We've got a better goal difference and our, our title run in, oh sorry, title run in, <laughs> our run in is significantly easier. So I think we are, I think Spurs, provided we win against Sheffield United, I think Spurs are in our review mirror and I think we should be good to go and not have to worry about them. Arsenal, wow. I don't think we need to worry about Arsenal after what happened against Brighton. They have got a lot of work to do and I think they just need to do what, what we did two years ago and get rid of Deadwood and start to bring in youngsters who will be good enough in three to four years time and build for the medium to long term. Because anything short term with them I don't think is going gonna, is gonna to be the answer. Sheffield United, as we've seen, they are struggling. And I think they'll continue to struggle because they're not used to playing um, uh, weekend, midweek, week, weekend, midweek because they weren't in any kind of European... Uh, competition so I think we will see them struggle because their squad isn't really big and what's happened to them in the last two games I mean if we beat them then I think we we can look uh, to have them in a review mirror as well which would be unbelievable I think our biggest threat actually for the top five position I mean we've got I think ultimately top three four five will be a combination of Leicester United and Chelsea but I think the, the only real competitor to that, again, let me caveat that with if we beat Sheffield United on Wednesday night, is Wolves. Um, they're still a good side. Uh, they have been used to, I mean, they've got a smaller squad and they don't really ro rotate that much. But they've been used to playing uh, with the Europa League uh, weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek. And they've done great. They've done fine. And we are, are level on points with them at this moment in time. And they're the only ones who I think can realistically maybe take us on that fifth position. But I'm hoping, given our, our easy run or easy run in, um, we are able to to beat them off. Oh, sorry, that came out wrong. To to get past them um, in the title for or in the in the fifth position spot. So I think ultimately we need to look to really really push against Sheffield United and get the win against them. And then look just to, to do the business and be efficient. And ultimately, I think top four is going to be uh, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, United and Leicester in fifth. Leicester aren't used to playing twice a week and they're going to get tired. And I think we will be able to get past them specifically because we've got that game against them. So we are eight points off Leicester at the moment. If we beat them, that's five points. And I think there's enough in the rest of the season for us to sneak past them. Hopefully, which would be incredible. So ultimately, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, United, Leicester, Wolves. And that's all I want. And I think we can do some business in the FA Cup. And we've got a chance at Europa League. So ultimately, I'm positive. I want us to do good things. And then we kick on next season. So bring on Sheffield United. And let's hope Oli brings it home. Thank you for watching.